Examine Sunday. Welcome. I'm glad you guys came. There are two reasons that we do the one service this morning. The first reason, would you like to guess? The least attended Sunday all year. Can you believe that? Uh, uh, I saw a tweet on, uh, last night. I said, uh, tomorrow is the best Sunday to go check out a church because it will be a youth pastor or an associate pastor preaching. They haven't learned how to censor themselves yet. So if you want to see what a church is really like, go on that Sunday. <laughs> Sorry to disappoint. Um, the second reason, well, I'm not sure if I've learned to censor myself either, so you're welcome. There you go. Um, second reason, uh, this examine service is something that uh, we started last year, and of course we did it uh, with two services, and so it was pretty, it was pretty fun. But it's something that uh, we're going to add to our calendar. It's, it's going to be like the Midnight Candlelight, like uh, Ash Wednesday. It's going to be one of those kind of a sacred uh, Sundays for us. I'm very excited, and again, it's something that uh, I like doing together. And So an examine is a space where you begin to sit down and to look deeply something. The idea is to learn from it, right? Um, to take an examination is basically to see things that we would otherwise miss. Um, who's ever been on like a really serious hike? I mean like a serious hike, anybody? Like seven hours or more, 12 hours, five days, put your hand down, yes we know, you've you know, hiked for weeks and weeks, you're awesome, you're Rambo, we get it, right? When you're actually, okay, how about this, who's ever uh, trekked in the woods without a trail? Okay, you guys are really outdoorsy. <laughs> I feel like I don't belong here. Okay, um, I'm going to find holes in my metaphors all day long. Okay, um, <laughs> I would assume, one would assume, when you are out in the woods, right, when you are actually trekking through uh, unknown territory, you take a journey somewhere you've never been before. If all you had is like basic directions or a map, there is a time when you're moving, that you need to stop and kind of find your direction. You have to navigate. You have to kind of find where you're heading. Okay, I'm going this direction, but I wanted to go over there. According to the map, these hills should be here. And, well, it's this time of day I should find the sun. Okay, I need to be heading east. There are times when you have to begin to kind of uh, to reset your direction, to find your way, to locate yourself. Movement by itself is not always a good thing. If I'm trying to get from here to over there, and I'm just going to, and the whole plan I have is just to stay moving. I'm just going to continue moving, and I'm going to take my way around this. Zach's going to hate this because it's, it's going to be off the video, but you get the idea. I'm going to zig and I'm going to zag. As long as I keep moving, I'll get there. Is this true? If I'm trying to sail from one location to another, I say, well, at least I'm still moving. If I, as long as I keep moving, I know I'm on my way. We rarely drift to the place we're trying to go. We have to set course. We have to be intentional to get there. And so an examine is uh, a time where we slow down to set course, to figure out what's up, what's down, what's left, uh, what's right. Uh, we did a short video last night, and the one thing I said was, you know, the older you get, the faster years kind of fly by. They're saying that uh, the day is long, but the, the year is short, Right. The idea that, you know, in the moment of a day, it can, it can drag on. But there's something about years as you get older, they begin to kind of pile up. I, um, I have a love-hate relationship with TimeHop on Facebook. Do you know what TimeHop is? On your, it's an app on your phone? Okay. It, it brings up pictures from the previous years on that day. 
So it says, oh, so on this day, five years ago, this happened. And it shows you a picture, okay? Uh, I love it because I get to relive moments, but I hate it. Hey, on this day, six years ago, here's what your kid looked like. And you were much skinnier back then, right? <laughs> you are much older now. You have many more gray hairs, right? And there's something about that. There's something about this little time hop app. I, I use it religiously. It might be the one app I use more than uh, any other. Because I love the ability to kind of step back in time. To kind of be present in moments that have already passed me. And so... Um, the Midnight Candlelight is one of those. Uh, on that night when we are about to have service, I opened up the phone, and it showed me a picture from the first service that we did. Like literally 20 people in the room. It was awesome. <laughs> and I was like, this is the best service ever. And I had a picture of it and, you know, some, some thoughts from it. And then I had that on my phone while I was over here uh, that, that night, and I looked around, and all the seats are full, and the candles, and the kids. And I'm just thinking to myself, my gosh. Right? There's something about being able to to slow down, to relive the moments, which is very important for us as we go forward. This morning's kind of a funky one for me. Um, doing one service, you would think is easier. It's harder for me. When you have extra time on your hands, I found myself wandering the campus. Um, with all the leaders here on, on staff, they all know in the old days, one service, I used to get in trouble. I'd always end up in all the departments just doing things. Just doing stuff. It's never good to give me free time. So this morning I found myself in the kids' church and the youth and the breezeway and the nursery. I was, I was all over the place. And so was my mind. <laughs> the people who in life accomplish things in certain areas, whether it's finances or fitness, uh, Pastor Zach about a year and a half ago began to get very intentional about his physical health. I'm not sure, I should have had him uh, prep a picture for us to take us back in time to what Pastor Zach used to look like. Uh, he ate himself two years ago. He's much bigger, the old Pastor Zach. He's half the man he used to be, truthfully. And what happened for him was he got intentional. He began to learn to notice things that he had otherwise just kind of missed and be intentional on things that he otherwise was uh, casual on. He began to be very intentional about the way he ate, uh, the one thing that drives me crazy now is he's very intentional about his sleep. So I used to be able to email him at like 1 o'clock in the morning, hey, I need this from you. Now, after 8.30, it's like lights out. But he's serious about it. I need my 20 hours of sleep or else my body will not fully process all the, the protein and animal fat I'm putting into it, right? <laughs> he's very intentional about how he squats. He will not, you know, uh, you will not find Pastor Zach on a treadmill ever in your entire life, he'll always be squatting. He's intentional about this. And what happened was his intentionality, he began to pay attention to things. He began to count his calories and his macros and all that boring stuff, right? And he began to be intentional about what he put in and about what came out. He began to be intentional about the way he used his time and his energy and his sleep. And of course, all of a sudden, you begin to look at the time hop pictures of Pastor Zach, it began to change. Finances are the same way. People who are, who are good with money annoy me. They just annoy me. Because they want to pay attention to the boring stuff, to all the zeros and the periods. And they have more zeros than I have zeros in my bank account. Come on. And they take time every day to check up on their money and to make sure their money's doing what it's supposed to do. And they make plans with their money and they are intentional with their money and they hold on to their money and they think about money and they put energy into money and they make plans. They are 
They notice things with their money. Our spiritual lives are the exact same way. For us to grow in our spiritual maturity, it requires us to notice things that others miss and to be intentional, meaning to be on purpose about things that other people are casual about. And so for us this morning, I want us to kind of journey a little bit through our, uh, this last year. The, at the heart of the examine is this idea that God is present in the ordinary. What in your life is ordinary? What do you consider in your life to be non-spiritual? Just think about it right now. What, when you leave this room, what's going to happen with the rest of your day? You're going to go eat. You're going to spend time with people. You're going to go to sleep. You have work to do in the morning. There's all these different things that we consider to be non-spiritual aspects of life. At the heart of the examine is this idea. What if everything in your life is spiritual? Let me pose it this way. When you get very serious about losing weight, who here uh, has a resolution with your bodies this year? Anybody? Okay. When you get very <laughs> just kind of slightly put your hand up, you know, it's like. When you get serious about this, right, there are going to be some things that you're going to have to begin to examine to pay attention to what takes place in this area of your life. And so for us, the question is, how do we pay attention to our spiritual life? How do we zone in on the things that take place in our spiritual life? And when you begin to try to diet and to work out, okay, what's going what's gonna to be the stuff that's going to come in between you dieting and you exercising? Anybody? Time? Anybody else? Food? Taste? Because all the good stuff tastes bad and the bad stuff tastes good. Okay, you get the idea. What else? Uh, who, who has kids? Okay, uh, who's busy? Who likes TV? <laughs> Life, right? Life is going to get between you and your physical health goals. I'm going to eat so good tomorrow when I go to work, and then what's going to happen? You're busy, you have to go to this, you have to go to the doctor's appointment, you have to pick this up, so what are you going to do? Chick-fil-A is not of God, you think it is. It's not. If it was, it wouldn't be fried, all right? They smile at you and they pretend that they're Christian. <laughs> no. Mm -mm. And what's going to happen is life is going to come between you and it, and at some point, life is going to swallow up your, your best intentions to get on track physically. Spiritually, it's the exact same. You're going to have this desire to grow with God, and then what's going to come between it? Busyness, work, fatigue, your favorite TV show, just life. Good and bad things are going to swallow it up. So what about this? What if all of those things in our life that kind of push against our spiritual life, these are the things, the, the ways of life that swallow our spiritual life. What if instead of fighting against those waves, trying to, to kind of just overcome all the hindrances of your life to get spiritual, have, have the image. Here's God over here. Here's you. Here's the wave. You're trying to swim over it. Who's ever surfed before? What's the idea of surfing? Well, we're not going to fight the wave. We're going to ride it. What if all of these parts of our lives that we consider to be non-spiritual, what if instead of trying to fight those things and to make our spiritual goals overcome our life and just kind of, you know, I'm going to be uber spiritual. Guys, you would have hated me seven years ago. If you hate me now, it's okay. I apologize. But you would have really hated me seven years ago. Because to me, life was one thing. It was God. Now, that's still true. But how I thought that worked is very different. 
You have a job? Too bad. Spend six hours in prayer. Suck it up. You got kids? Forget that. Fast all month if you want Jesus. Do it. You want spiritual maturity? Never miss a Sunday ever for the rest of your life. Suck it up. Have the flu? I don't care. Your kid broke their arm? Drag them. We'll heal them. I was like, <laughs> this was the, the exact mentality I had. Overcome every wave and you will get spiritual, baby. We're going to hit those spiritual weights. That's what we're going to do. What do you think happened to me? First, I got married. <laughs> then I had children. And then uh, you guys. <laughs> I learned that it doesn't always work that way, does it? So what if, instead of trying to fight against all of these things, what if we began to learn how to use these things in our lives? Who's ever encountered God in a movie? Anybody? Who's ever encountered God in a conversation with a friend? How about your kids? Spouses, no. We know God never speaks through, through those, right? <laughs> Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> you <laughs> Yeah, you and Chick-fil-A, right? Okay. Um, we know that God is found in all these other places outside this room. We know God can meet with us outside of this. If you have your Bibles with you, you know God can speak to you in that book, but you've also learned that God can speak to you outside of that book. So what if we began to live our life as if God can be present with us in all of the ordinary things we have to do? What if work is not this isolated part of my life? Here's my spiritual life, here's my work. Here's my spiritual life, and here's my relationships, here's my hangouts, here's my hobbies, here's my TV shows, here's my spouse and my kids and my friends, whatever it is. What if we realize that all of these spaces were our spiritual lives? We stopped fighting the wave and we began to just to kind of go with it. This is the heart of the examine for us. How can we be spiritual? How can we allow God to be with us in all these places that normally push us away from God? And so I want to start this morning with a, a concept. We're teaching the kids about the Chronicles of Narnia. Who's ever like read that? Um, C.S. Lewis, Chronicles of Narnia. Shame on all of you. My goodness. He created a character called Aslan. It's one of the most well-written examples of the character of Jesus. I love it. And uh, the first book is called The Magician's Nephew. And it's this idea that there are ways to go from this world to a different world. But you have to be intentional. If you're, you, know, you don't just happen to fall into a different world. You have to be intentional. You have to know what you're doing to go after this other place. And so if I was going to go from this realm, from this world to a different world, there was a portal. And the idea was that when you would come to this in-between place, so if I wanted to go from this world to that one, there's like a, an in-between portal. Think of it, it's almost like a train station or an airport. And so what happens is these kids appear in this in-between world. And this world has a bunch of pools. And so it's a, it's a green world, trees and grass. But just imagine there's pools everywhere. And depending, if I want to go to whichever world I want to go into, I pick the pool and I step into the pool. And that's how I go from, from that world to the next. You can't go directly from this world to the other. You have to go to the in-between space, this forest with the pools. If I want to get to there, I've got to come to the in-between space first. But there's a trick to the in-between space. When you arrive in the in-between world, 
the first thing that begins to happen, it begins to lull you to sleep. And so when these children appear into this world, they find all these animals, they're kind of sleeping peacefully on the ground. And and when they arrive in this in-between world, they actually forget who they are, they forget what they were there for, and they have the strongest urge to lay down and to take a nap. (laughs) Amen, naps are important. This in-between world to me is one of the best pictures of where most of us in our pursuit with God end up. There's a moment of freshness with God, excitement, passion. I'm going to do this. I can't wait. I want to give God everything. And, you know, that moment. And then there's the journey there. There's the in-between. We can't go from there to 100% maturity with Christ. We have to journey there. And we all have to go to the in-between space. But in the in-between space, between the place we started, we had the excitement and the energy about God, and the place we ended where we lost. There's something in the middle. And that in-between world is the world that lulls us to sleep. In that place, we forget who we are, and we forget where we were going. The majority of Sundays you enter this room, you have already forgotten who you are, and you forgot exactly where you're trying to go. It's not because you're a bad person or anything like that. It's because we are just people. I mean, there's something about the journey to spiritual maturity that we just get lulled to sleep. Have you ever felt in your spiritual life like you've been lulled to sleep? No? Okay. No hands on that one. I'm woke. How about this? Have you ever told yourself you're going to wake up at 5 a.m. to go to the gym? I'm even going to put my sweats on. I'm going to sleep in my sweats. I'm going to roll out of bed and go. Have my coffee ready to go. And the alarm goes off. And what do you do? Absolutely. Yeah, because you never planned to go. Amen. There's something about the in-between where we get lulled to sleep. This is where we are. We have to be intentional to take examinations, to to have this practice. The reason we do this is because we know that we will be lulled to sleep. There will be a time when we, that night when we're putting our, our, our sweats on or we're planning the workout we're going to do, we are so excited to get in shape. And then sleep sets in. So the first thing we have to do in this process, we have to find ourselves. Imagine a, a map, right? You're trying to, to get from here to there. You're, you're sitting down, you have your compass out. You're trying to figure out where you are on the map. And so you're looking around trying to figure this out. And so the first thing we have to do is we have to locate ourselves. Where are we on this journey? Uh, I chose the, the verse with, with Paul because Paul's so good at saying, I know that God's called me here. And I know that I'm not there yet. The first thing for you is this. You will never change your life if you don't realize you haven't reached that place yet. If you woke up tomorrow and you had the exact body you wanted, come on, picture it. You woke up with a six-pack and you had the whole thing going for you, right? Would you hit the gym? If you had a promise, it would stay there without moving. You could just eat bacon in bed. Would you leave the bed? You will not move from this place of slumber until you realize that you haven't arrived yet. Let this sink into you. You have not arrived yet. Here's the biggest secret of the Christian faith. I don't know how many pastors have told you this. You will never arrive. In this life, until Christ returns, you will never arrive. Is that bad news? 
little discouraging. The goal is not getting there. The goal of the Christian faith is not to reach it, it's not to attain it. The Apostle Paul is the perfect example of this. The goal of the Christian faith is to continue the journey there. The word for that in the Scriptures is this, faithfulness. To continue and to not stop. To be a Christian is this, we have to fight against complacency, meaning to be happy with where we are. I tell you what, Grace Church is the worst church for you in the entire area if you just want to hang out where you are. You will not like Grace Church. This is not what we're here for. If you are tired of being complacent, if you are not content, if you're ready to go forward, this is the place for you. But the first step for us is having to face that. I haven't arrived yet, so where am I? Here's the map. Here's where I'm trying to get to. Here's where I am. How do I get there? And so I have a few questions for you. We're going to put these on the screen if you want to write them down. The first question I want you guys to think about, these, these answers are going to be different for everyone. Allow them to sink in. If you don't have a quick answer that kind of pops up for you, it's okay. Just, I'll, it's okay to take time with these. What's the healthiest part of my life? In this moment right now, what is the healthiest part of your life? Is it your spiritual life? Is it your finances? Is it your relationships? Is it your physical health? What is the healthiest part of your life? What is the least healthy part of your life? It's silly to kind of rank things, but sometimes it's helpful. Sometimes I'll actually, you know, I'll I'll try to get a scale. Okay, I I think I'm at a a five in this area. I think I'm at a, a seven here. What is the healthiest part of your life? What is the least healthy part of your life? Now, what, an interesting question to think about then. What's the differences in how I've invested myself in these different parts? Why is this part of my life healthier and this part is less? Last year, my physical health was a very important thing for me. If I were rating things, my physical health was a two. Why was it a two? Well, because my time and my energy and my focus were putting other places. So last year I had to make sure that because this is a two, okay, I need to make sure I treat this the way I treat the healthiest parts of my life. Am I treating the least healthy parts of my life the same way I am the healthy parts of my life? The obvious answer to that is going to be no. Remember, this process is not about getting these kind of quick answers. The, the value of these questions is sitting with them. Take time to let them kind of mess with you, to bother you, to be with them. Remember, every one of these parts of your health are interconnected. Everything is interconnected. Where do I spend... How about this? If the healthiest parts of my life are these things, say finances, what do the people I spend my time with excel in? One of the best ways to fix... A weak part of your life is to surround yourself with people who are strong in areas that you're weak. How do I spend time with people who are strong in the areas that I am unhealthy in? What part of my personal health do I need to give the most attention? My mind, my body, my emotions? I want to tell you right now, there are many of you in this room who need to start going to counseling. 
It's not because you're broken or messed up. It's because you are at a place where you need someone safe you can talk to. Someone you can begin to, to allow. Someone who's going to listen to you. Someone who you can trust to entrust very sensitive things to and allow them to, to share some hard truths with you. Someone who isn't a friend or a family member. Are those things you need to, to put time into this year? When was my spiritual hunger the greatest this year? So think back over 2018. What moment of this entire year did I feel the closest to God, the most focused, passionate, engaged, connected with God? What moment did I feel the farthest, the lowest, the least connected to God? Now, in these moments, try to put yourself in that. When I go to my time hop, you know, if I have a video of my kids or uh, it's a picture or something, I'll, I'll sit there and I'll, I'll try to put myself in that space. What was happening? What were you feeling? What was going through your mind? What was going through your emotions? What was happening around you? What was happening in your world to help you be at a high point with God? Or what was happening in your world to take you to a, a low point with God? What was the highest moment of the year? Meaning, it's not spiritual, just what was your high point this year? What was your absolute best moment this year? What was your absolute low moment this year? Now, I mean, this has been an interesting year for me personally. I have had some of the highest highs and lowest lows here in this year. To revisit those moments aren't always easy. But this is the part of the examination. In my highest moment, where was God? In my lowest moment, where was God? In my highest moment this year of 2018, what feelings and words came out of me? This is a crucial thing for you. This is a, a quick way for you to learn about yourself, things that you don't know about yourself. In your highest moment, what feelings and words came out of you? At your lowest moment this year, what feelings and words came out of you. This is crucial stuff right here. If you allow yourself to dive into this, you will learn so much about yourself, but you will begin to reflect and see so much of what God was doing in your life. Nisa and I took a trip to uh, Chicago this March. Uh, it, it's our favorite city, but we, we had this full like week trip, and we did all these great, exciting things. <laughs> and uh, on our way home, and uh, we're like, man, we hated this week. We blew all this money, had a, did all this stuff that's supposed to be great. And we're like, this week was the worst. Never coming back to Chicago. Our favorite city, now our worst. It's on our blacklist, right? So we're driving home from Chicago, and then we spent about uh, nine hours talking over it. And about four hours in, we go, this was the best trip ever. But there's something about having to just, when, I, when we were in the moment, so much was happening that it's almost like we weren't even in the moment. We weren't living it. We weren't feeling it. It's almost like it was happening to us. Life can happen to us. But we took time on the trip home to slow it down and almost to go back into those moments. What was happening? What, what really took place? When you go back into the moments of your, you can step into places with God. And there are moments in your life where you felt like God was absolutely nowhere. That when you step back into, you slow down. All of a sudden you realize where God was. What God was doing. What God was saying. 
in your highest moment, in the lowest moment of this year, what feelings did not come out? Meaning, what feelings and thoughts, questions, frustrations, doubts, disappointments, what did you not let come out? Does that make sense? In your highest and lowest moments, there are things that you will say and feel, and then there are feelings that you will run away from. What feelings and moments with God did you hide from? In your lowest moment, what questions or frustrations with God were you feeling that you weren't allowing yourself to feel? That you weren't allowing yourself to say to God? I know I'm in a room with some really holy people this morning, but there are some moments when I want to say some not-so-holy things to God. I know I'm the only one. Because you're all saved, right? And you've all been at Grace Church for long enough. There are moments when what I'm really feeling isn't things that I think I should be feeling. In your lowest moments of your life in this year, what thoughts and feelings did you not let out? You need to find a time and space to let them out. I promise you it won't be hard to reconnect to them. If you did not let them out then, I promise you they are still there somewhere. Do you hear me? This is very important. The reason that we get lulled to sleep often is that there are things in us that we feel so real and so deeply that we don't share with God or the people closest to us, and these become the insulators. These become the walls. This is how we live life, numb and asleep and invulnerable. You can go to church for years and not grow a lick, not feel a thing. It's not, it's not the preacher, because he's amazing. It's not the worship, because they're the best. <laughs> that was a lie. I'm just kidding. Um. It's not the church, it's not the podcast, it's not the book, it's you. If you're having trouble feeling, connecting, experiencing God, it's not because we're not doing the things we used to do. It's because you've created distance because you are hiding things from God. You are hiding things from yourself. In the garden, the first picture we get of how man behaves when there's distance is that man hides away from God when there are things that man is not willing to share with God. Where this year have you hid from God? These are the places where you will grow. You have to go back. You have to revisit. You have to share with God if you ever want to go forward. If you have felt stunted for years or months or weeks, if you've just felt like you've been stalled out spiritually, you've been numb, what's the point? I don't know. I don't feel anything anymore. Here's the problem. You have things you need to let come out. You have to let that honesty come out of you. Now, as we go into this year, understand this. There are four major sections of our lives, okay? Now, again, I wish our lives, I wish life was as cleanly separated as this board. Do you see how beautiful this is? This is not my handwriting, as all you who have me in classes know. This is Jessica Jernigan. It's not me. She gets credit. Prayer, rest, relationships, work. Don't you wish that life was perfectly sectioned like that? It all was just kind of nice and neat in its own section, okay? Understand this. These are the waves of life. This is what causes us to go with God or be separated from God. Now, the first question for you is this. Ideally, our lives would be balanced, that you are equally, this is going to be hard for everyone to see, so I'm just going to rotate side to side, Okay. Ideally, the goal is that you would all have equal sections. Your life would be balanced with prayer, with rest, relationships, and work. But we all know it's not. Here's the first question. What's the biggest square in your life? 
your time with God, your prayer life, meaning just God's everywhere, okay? He's in all of these boxes, but time where you're just devoting to God. Rest, meaning time where you are doing nothing else but trying to fill your batteries. If you have to go on a hike, if you have to, you know, to watch a TV show, if you have to go, you know, on a vacation or uh, to, to a ball game, whatever it is, right? How much of your, of 2018 was spent resting you? Not family vacations, parents. Wake up. Most exhausting thing in the world. <laughs> Not rest for your kids or even your spouse or your best friends or family for you as a person. Just for you. And if you're married, I'm not talking about couples, just for you. What you as a human being need to recharge, because I guarantee you it's different than your friends, it's different than your family. How much of your year was spent resting, recharging? I already know it was small. It's okay. All right, workaholics, how big is your work square? Well, I do it for Jesus. I do it for my family, right? I work my tail off because my family needs me. It's not just me. Ooh, it got real quiet. I think we know which box is the biggest in this church, right? The work box. God is present in this box. But this is one of the boxes that, that our culture, it's an American thing, that our culture has a million excuses why this box sh should be bigger than all the other boxes. I want you to get something here. Whichever of these boxes is too big, the others will suffer. If you spend all of your time in prayer, in the scriptures, fasting, going to spiritual conferences, I mean, you are just the best follower of Jesus in the world. I want you to understand something. Your relationships are going to suffer. Your work is going to suffer. And guess what? Prayer is not rest. You need to understand that. In the charismatic church I was born into, we were taught that we recharge through prayer. Yes, there's a little bit of that. But spiritual work is still work. You are working soil, but it's spiritual soil. It is work. Be honest. If you could do one thing to, to feel alive, to bring energy back into yourself, if you had one day to yourself, you had as much money or free time, you weren't responsible for anyone or anything, you didn't have any, any work responsibilities, no kids, no friendships to take care of, one day to do anything that brought you life, what would it be? Be real. It's not read the Bible. Be honest. Who's lying? Who would spend their day in prayer and fasting? Don't lie. Come on now. Put your hand down. On the beach. <laughs> with Satan eating fried chicken. Got it. Got it. And peanut oil. What kind of weird... Uh, okay. I'm sorry. It's a rant. If all your life is is rest, you are really good at taking care of you. <laughs> really, I'm just taking care of me. Just some me time. Okay. If your rest box is too big, the other parts of your life are going to struggle. If your relationship box, parents, especially parents, and all of you personality types, uh, if you don't have kids, uh, we don't have time to go into personality types, but if you're the type of person who just loves to help people, you are a caretaker of people, right? You will just spend hours and hours taking care of people. If your relationship box is too big, meaning you're taking care of people who are important to you, it's going to hurt your other parts of your life. I want you to understand something. 
Think of a car. Who has a car? Imagine if one wheel was way bigger than the others. Just imagine this. And you had that relationship wheel, parents. It's huge. Well, it's our kids. We're our parents. Kids are a gift from God. Arrows in the quiver. Amen. (laughs) If your kid wheel is too big, part of you is dying. Your ability to know yourself apart from what you do is dying. Parents, if you don't learn to find yourself in these other places, when your kids go off to college, you will be lost. You will not know who you are. You need to begin to know that taking care of yourself, connecting, finding yourself in God, finding yourself in work. Parents, you need to be active, doing things, creating things. All of these are crucial because all of these are where God is. The biggest lie you've ever been told is that God is only present when we're worshiping, when we're praying, when we're in the Scriptures. But understand this. One of your boxes is too big. There's only so much space in your life. One of your boxes is too big and the others need to grow. The only way for the other boxes to grow is for one of them to shrink. What is the biggest box in your life? This is the box you need to work on this year. Well, we can't afford it. Well, I need to go to the spa 20 times this year. But my kids need me. But my parents are old and they need me to take care of everything for them. Here's the thing that we understand. If God is present with us in every part of our lives, if He cares enough about every concern and focus of our lives, if God is with us in every part of our lives, He is able to help us find solutions and answers to every part of our life. Father, how do I allow the people I care about most to have what they need, but to also begin to get what I need this year? How do I make sure that we have the finances that that my family needs, but that I have the time that I need, that there's time with God and there's time with family, with friends? I'll tell you what, in this box right here, a lot of you people in this room, you need friendships. You don't have real friends. In the Scriptures, one of the primary ways we see God speak to people is friendship. Which of your squares is too big? Which is eating the rest of it? In your spiritual life, imbalance is always the enemy. We need to make sure that we are spending time, we are present with God in every part of our life. And so as we go into this, There's so much more that we do after we begin to answer these questions. This is just the beginning of the process. But the first step in beginning to kind of orient ourselves, to to find our way with God, is we have to realize that we aren't there yet. The, The passage that we read from Paul, the first thing he says is, I desire to know God. I desire to know God. 
This is where it all begins. If your spiritual life is suffering, if you've become numb, if you've been kind of adrift, if you've just kind of lost interest, if you've fallen asleep, the first thing that you have to awaken is, I want God. I desire God. When that desire is awakened, everything else begins to, to make sense, to fall in line. This is where we have to begin. So this morning, I've given you some questions to start with. And the key to all this is that we're not going to fight against these parts of life. We're not going to just expand the prayer box. And I'm going to spend all, I'm going to spend, you know what, I have an hour with God every morning. Now I'm going to do two hours with God every morning. Yes. I was benching 150, now it's 300 pounds. Woo! It's not how spiritual life works. If you want to learn to grow spiritually, it's not going to be about just growing this box. If this box is too small, then it needs to grow. But the answer is not to consume your life with prayer and reading the scriptures and fasting. The answer is to learn how to be with God, with the people in your life, with the work in your life, and how to be with God alone. How to learn to rest. What things do I need to recharge? What's the oddest thing that someone in this room... No, I shouldn't even ask that. <laughs> Sorry. It's that sensor thing. Um, learning that God is present in all of these areas. So here's the, here's the kicker. This is just the beginning. So what do we do next? What do we do with these answers? So the first thing is I want you guys to make sure you spend time sitting with all this. Just sit with it. Don't rush through the questions. If you need to come and, and to get the questions, uh, you might post it to GC Live or, or uh, something like that. But the first step is this. Write a plan. Imagine this. It's almost like a checklist. If you are going to, to go camping for two weeks, if you're going on a journey, on a trek, if you're going to go from here to there, what do you need to take with you? A checklist. For me to get to where I want to be with God, what am I going to need to do? What has to change? How do I learn to connect to God here? How do I learn to shrink the, the boxes that are too big? To grow the ones that are too small? How do I learn to be present with God here? How do I learn to take care of myself? What do I need physically, mentally, and emotionally? Write something down. That's where it starts. Begin to put pen to paper. This is the plan. If you wanted to lose weight this year, you would say, okay, I'm going to stop eating... Chick-fil-A every day. All right, we're not going to do that. I'm going to pack my lunches. I'm going to go to the gym in the morning. You're going to make something. Just start somewhere. It's going to be primitive. Don't make the mistake of shooting for the moon, okay? I mean, don't make a huge list. I'm going to go to work tomorrow until my boss, I quit. Uh, <laughs> we're going to fast for 21 days. I mean, it's not like that. We want baby steps, okay? The second thing, invest in training. If I were going to go on a month-long trek through the Appalachians, I want a little bit of training first. How do I make a fire again? Boy Scouts was a long time ago. So I, how do you do that thing with the sticks? Invest. Yeah, you don't want to go on a long trek with me yet, okay? I have some training to go under, okay? Invest in training. What training do I need to make this journey? Uh, our classes start back in February. We're going to have, uh, as you guys know, with our classes, we always have a, a big variety. 
But the one thing we're going to add this year is a spiritual formation track, meaning a set of classes that go in succession that are focused on one thing, on giving you the training you need to go with God, the places he's calling you to go. Invest, and train, invest time, invest resources, get the training that you need. The, most, the people who are going to have the best successes this year, whenever they want to get fit, are the ones who hire a coach. And Pastor Zach raised his hand. He would, he would like to teach you how to squat correctly. There you go. Hey, last year my health was a big deal. I humbled myself. If you guys don't know me, I'm very competitive. I don't like to uh, be taught. And, I, and, and so I humbled myself to Pastor Zach. I said, okay, I've been lifting weights for 10 years, but I need you to teach me. I need you to coach me. And he did. Invest in training. Find companions. Find companions. One of the worst things to do is to go on a journey alone. Even the most seasoned outdoorsmen always prefer to take someone with them. There's safety there. Find people who are going from here to there the same way you are. Spend time with them. It's like I said earlier. If you're weak in an area, find people who are strong in that area and spend time with them. Where am I wanting to go? Who do I need to spend time with? Who's going there too? If you need to find that here, obviously we're starting tables, and tables is one of the main ways we do that. Find people who are going to play the same place you want to go. Find people who want to grow spiritually. Not people who want to go to church, not people who just want to be Christian. People who want to grow with Christ. Spend time with those people. Here's the fourth thing. Secure a guide. Find a guide. If I'm actually going on a real journey, I mean like a real journey. I'm not talking about like uh, Lake Fort Smith, okay? Like a real trek. Say like K2. I, if I like a midlife crisis, I'm going to climb K2 in Everest, okay? I'm not going alone. I'm not even just going to take Pastor Zach. I'm going to find someone who's been there and back and still has all their fingers and all their toes. That's what I want, right? I want a guide. Who can take me there? So obviously we have, if you want to find that here, we have pastors, of course. But uh, two things we're going to be offering this year. We're going to be offering spiritual direction. This is, well, you have someone who speaks into your life. Their primary focus is not just to be friends, but friendship is important. It's not just to hang out, but their primary purpose in your life is to help you find your location. Where are we going? To sit down with people who listen to you and who ask you hard questions. And the other thing that we're doing this year that's, that's new to us, we launched tables last year, but this year what we're going to launch, we're going to launch discipleship groups. Now, this is very different. I'm not going to explain all this this morning, but these are going to be very small groups of people. These are not based on couples or families. These are individuals. And what these are going to be, and the way that tables change every year, these discipleship groups are going to form, and they're not going to change. You're going to be paired with two to three people, and these will be people that you walk with your spiritual journey as long as you are part of this church family. People that you meet with continually. People who ask you hard questions. People who when you sit down, the primary focus is not uh, the hogs, but the hogs are great. The primary focus is your spiritual journey. People to go on the trip with. So we're going to be talking about all that stuff as we go forward. But I want to lay this in front of you. Where are you in your spiritual walk? How have you gotten here? Where do you want to go? Would you guys stand with me this morning?
Father, we just come to you this morning. We just, we offer ourselves to you. It's been a sweet time in your presence this morning. We love you. We want to start this year right. So Father, we choose to end 2018 with communion, with the Lord's table. We ask as, uh, as we prepare to come forward, that you prepare our hearts and minds. Uh, begin to put desires and excitement and vision in, in our hearts for this next year. Where do you want to take us? How far are we going to go? Uh, you begin to put a hunger in us for the journey, excitement for what's coming. That there would be a hunger for you, a hunger for more, a desire to grow, that we would not be content staying where we are.